But no, I'm really glad to be here. And um, last week, um, I prayed a little bit into that of um, Psalm 139. Um, and just as strong as it was um, last week. Um, so I am really excited to share what he's put on my heart. So first, I'm just going to start off by praying. I thank you for the word the Lord have put on my heart and so many others, God, and not from me. Every word that is spoken would come from your spirit, would leave encouraged by what you have to say. So thank you, Lord, for just using me and that the opportunity to be here in Jesus' name. Amen. So you'll turn to your Bibles to Psalm 139. Oh, Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand down. And you are acquainted with all my ways. For there's not a word on my tongue. But behold, Lord, you know it all together. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It's high. I cannot attain it. If I ascend into heaven... You are there if I make my bed in hell and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea. Even there, you are there. And if I say, surely the darkness shall fall on me, even in the night shall be light all about me. Indeed, the darkness shall, the darkness and light are both alike to you. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. I will praise you, for I am fear. My soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought into the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes witnessed the days fashioned for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious are your thoughts to me, O God! How great is the sum of them! If I should count them, they would be more in number than the sand. When I awake, I am still with you. In this verse, in this passage, I love it. It's the times that I've had to just cry with him here, to pray. I'm going to keep coming back and referring back to this, but I pause for a moment. It's about almost went here for a second, um, but when it starts the sea, even there your hand shall lead me. That's like utter chaos, the darkest place. So just imagine with us. He knows our whereabouts. He knows every thought we're thinking in that moment, and he's not afraid. He is light in our darkest moments. So really, in all of these verses, I feel like you can take one message, and, but I elaborate on it. You can just, there's so much in this. It's so rich. You have searched me and know me. Romans 8, 27 is the cross-reference for that as one of them. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of God. He is intimately acquainted with our lives, with every moment, with just the thought of us before our life was, he was intimate in God we serve. 
He thinks for us. He prays for us. He searches out the deepest place of our hearts, boring parts of our lives that I really don't think he finds to be all that boring. Cooking, like I think that he actually enjoys it, whether out or maybe I messed up and I had to ask for forgiveness to my kids and I'm teaching forgiveness to them. In all of those moments, he is with us and he's well acquainted. Excuse me, this verse just sparks the question or this passage of how many people actually know you. Like real say, I'm, I'm real. You. I can who really, really know me. Like I've let them in. They know me. But my husband knows me the best. I don't know those I can pull. Um, but like on a good day, um, and I'm holding them back, he doesn't know my thoughts. He doesn't know really what I'm thinking. But the Lord knows intimately know, know us. He knows my thoughts even before I say them. It's like, how does that even happen? It is so... I'm going to take a sip of water. Is this... If someone really knows me, like really knows me, then they may not love me. You put, and maybe some of you have laid it all out there. Maybe it's ministry leaders, Christian friends, or family. I just want to should have held your story. Lord, there is no dark side to him at all. He really is intentionally, and he really loves you, and he thinks about you. He knows, he knows you like the 3 a.m. you, like waking up, you're the darkest time of night, and you're all alone, and no one else. In fact, he ministers to our darkness. He's not afraid of it. He doesn't despise it. He is about it. He's about our anxiousness, our offensiveness, our fear, our depression. He lights it up. I came through this and have been here, kind of planted here for quite a while. And so I'm just going to tell you, I'm not going to read it, read it to you necessarily. I'm Genesis 16, maybe 15, Genesis 16. So just go there, read it for yourself. There's a lot there. Um, so Hagar, she was at, worshipped many gods. And she was unplugged from her community and taken to a foreign land among foreign people. Imagine the fear and the un, just the unknowing of, of what was, who, who are these people? Can I trust them? You know, what is it going to be? But over time, I believe that Hagar had come to trust Sarah and Abraham, which at that time they were Abram and Sarah. She, but I'm going to say Sarah and Abraham. But I believe they came as well. But she came, like, she was seeing miracles of the Lord. 
things he was doing that could only be God. Point. But that's what I believe. Um, then Sarah and Abraham, they're growing weary. They, they have God's promises over their life, and they want an heir. Figure out how to make God's plan come to pass. Um, and so they start trying to figure it out. Sarah was unable to bear children. They want it, but as her master says, she's trained to please them and do what they say with Abraham. And she would, Hagar would be kind of a surrogate mother. Um, and then after that happens, um, Hagar, Sarah starts to treat Hagar very she was very resentful of so bad that her started treating her pretty horribly. And it was, she, as she was, she tried to leave and, and says, I have given you a son. His name is Ishmael. It means um, God sees me. So it tells her, God tells her to return back to this land, to, to return back to these people and submit herself under them. So much opportunity to be offended by that. Believes in his promises for her life. So she's pregnant with Ishmael. So some 13 years later, Sarah and Abraham bear a son. His name is Isaac. And Sarah commands that they leave because Ishmael, she lived together. Isaac and Ishmael can't live together. Hagar and Sarah are fighting. They can't live together. So they say go. Like, you need to get out of here. So that rejection. Imagine with me for a minute. That rejection. I know this is kind of long. God then speaks to Abraham because Abraham is like standing a chance in the wilderness. I mean, you think about the wildlife and the, just famine and everything that would happen them. Um, and he, he's kind of bothered Sarah and says for Ishmael's life, send her on her way. And, but he tells him that Ish, because it was his offspring, which again, it's like, has nothing to do with Hagar. So imagine, um, and sends them on their way. Abraham gives her a little bread, a little bit of water, water, um, running out of bread. And Ishmael, in the darkest moment there, just going, I have all these miles to walk, days. All just the, I mean, it looks hopeless. It seems so dark. Puts him under a bush, and she's afraid. And she's like crying out to God. She turns her back on her son, and she says, God, I cannot watch him die. Like, it is like the most hopeless situation. I cannot watch my boy die. And God speaks to her, and like in the most hopeless cry. And calls her the mother of nations. This moment he found her there. Speaks into it. With her. When no one was there. In the desert. In the heat of the desert. He was there. Fully aware. She's saying. She says thank you God. Thank you God. You are the God who sees me. And forth. Relationship they have there. Promises of God. But thank you. Okay. 
if you go back and you just imagine the stories, the, the story I was just telling you, and by God and God's people, there, there are Abraham. In fact, in the story, you hear him say, that lady or all. It was just like, bye, you know? But then God met her and she, God's people. The hopeless situation of being cast into the dead and our son to care for. I wonder what would have happened if in the rear view mirror, looking at her offenses with people, God promises, but instead she did. She kept going. And when she felt weary, she fell before the Lord came from. She knew him. There's you. There's in the history made between God is don't despise it. It is so easy when you've gone through hard times, you've you've been rejected by the church, you've been rejected by people. But don't despise it because of the depth that is created there. The love that is shown there. I have seen his faithfulness time and time again because of moments like this where he showed up for me every single time. When people misunderstood me and he showed up and spoke truth over who I am every single But I know who he is. And I honestly could, would not change one thing. I remember telling a friend like two years ago. I hear people say all the time, like, I don't think I'll be there. But I can say that I'm there now because of that. Presents himself as a father. So don't despise the history. Embrace it. Owned by the hardships. And he wants you to feel confused about your relationship with him. And the enemy wants you to feel inadequate. He wants you to feel insecure questions of like, do I really know God? Do I really know God? I remember, um, you know, a ministry leader saying to me once, do you really know Jesus? And and it makes me question if you ever really knew him. But it's a good question to ask. Because the answer is yes, by the way. No. If you can remember a time you were in love with Jesus, maybe you've lost it a little bit, but you remember the intimacy that was between the two of you, then yes, you have known him. It makes you feel like you lost your salvation. It, that is real. And we, in kids' care, our kids learn uh, sin is anything they do that makes God sad or breaks his law. And so we say it all the time. Um, that is what sin is, and it does. It hinders pinpoint to you exactly what it is. Is it a habit? Is it an attitude? I can promise you whatever it is, it's worth giving up to the Lord. Ephesians 4, 30 through 32. the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all be bitter from you with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even 
as Christ forgave you. This verse used to really offend me. Offensive. Like, and I tried to figure out why. It's like, why is this personal? That we could grieve God. Like, too lofty to attain. Like, what am I going to do? How I'm going to mess to me. But the more I, I read on it and study it and think of it, he grieves with us if we, if we walk up in our lives. You could have intimate relationship with God back. You can have it back. But you can. And um, with the Lord, but he loved the Lord. And I told him I wanted to talk to him. So we went about my, this is 2016. This, this intimacy with the Lord once and then it feels like it's, go, it's gone. Like my prayers are he, hitting the ceiling and, you know, and I told him about some sin in my life. And he said, yeah, cool. God never said he wouldn't give it back to you. He wants, he wants to give it back to you. He's such a good man. I love him. I'm crying because I love him so much. Have you been offended with God or God's people? I believe it's time to let it go and let him wash you. Three different burdens on my heart to pray for today. And there will be an altar call where you can respond. This is first. Has your, worship, has your work come before your worship? I believe that there's some in here, like your attention, kind of keep adding things. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll do that too. Oh, you need this? Okay. I'll, and you just keep adding it on. And it's unintentional. I truly believe it's unintentional. Plate becomes so full that it's cost you. Maybe the busyness of life has crowded him out. If you've been hurt and offended by God and God's people, I believe God is calling you back to your first love. It's time. You cannot remember a time where you've asked the Lord to lead your life and to fill you with his spirit. John, John 14, 16 through 18. I'm just going to read it real quick. There. I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, helper that he may abide with you forever. Because it is neither, it neither sees him or knows him, but you know I will not leave you as orphans. You know, and there's that song, a song that says, I want you'll never get more of the Spirit or more of Jesus than you do this right then and there. And you grow and you learn and you grow together because he wants you to have the fullness right away because he's a good and fair God. So he is dwelling. So he is a living invisible person inside of you once you ask him to come in and then Holy Spirit in me there's nothing more personal than that 
So whether the busyness of life has crowded him out or you've been a Christian and respond the same way. And in the Old Testament, they would get lamb, a lamb, and they would slain, believing God for forgiveness, of the atonement for their sin. And the priest would come and get the blood. They believed forgiveness, atonement for their sin, which actually cannot happen. We need the perfect Lamb of God. When came to the cross or came to the altar to sacrifice the Lamb, forgiveness for this. I owe you forgiveness for this. I owe you forgiveness for this. And it was in his heart the whole Jesus. We have the cross who was slain for our sins. And now with hands of faith, we can go imagine it in my mind's eye of just grabbing a hold of his ankles. I grab a hold of his ankles and as, it's as if my love the cross. Today. I'm you back to the first commandment to love the Lord God with all of your heart, mind, and soul and strength. Say, he's not calling you to religion or with you. And again, there is nothing more personal than him, than his fine side of you who guides you and leads you. There is nothing. It just, it can't happen. I've tried. You try to escape him, he will show you that he is very, very real. He's okay with your struggle. He wants he will hold your story. Jeremiah, Jeremiah 29 11. If the ministry team wants to come up, whoever that is, Jessica, just respond to the Lord. And I would just say, don't or let ego get in the way. So we're all here to pray for you if you feel like you want to respond. Sharing. Chapter 7. And it says, Rejoice not over me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall rise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be a light to me. Enemy would intend for our demise. The Lord takes and he redeems and he himself in the place of the desert like Hagar did. Or in the pure life that has of your own um, condemnation because of sin over this body. That the Lord is your light. That the enemy does not have the final word. And in a second, you can turn your heart towards Jesus. You can have a diffin and he'll remove it from you as far as the east is from the west. You can have a different ending to your story. The enemy does not have the final word. You have faced. He will take it. He can redeem it. There is no pit too deep that Jesus cannot reach. There's no sin too great that his blood cannot wash. So I just want to speak over you hope that there is hope because of what Jesus has purchased for us.